Listener Production. The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax. Uh, this is Top Up. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello and thank you for watching. This is a comedy podcast that proves that two heads are better than one. Brackets at coming up with terrible jokes. Close brackets. <laughs> thank you, Will, for uh, reminding everyone of the uh, tagline for the show created by AI. Go back to last week's episode to check that it's out. It's amazing that I remembered that for an entire week. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Some would say... A miracle. And that miracle is, of course, because Will and I are doing these episodes back to back. So a week for you, the next day for us. Um, we thought the mailbag has been building up because we were the away for so long. next day for us, it's five minutes later. Did I say the next yeah. day? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we live <True>. in <laughs> – time moves differently for us. Um, the theory of relativity uh, affects both of us uh, different ways. Uh, time moves uh, a lot faster for me than you will. I'm like a dog in that way. Yeah. <laughs> like I know that I look 45, but I'm actually 90 years old. Oh, well. um, we thought we'd just get through the mailbag because there's been such a yes. backlog of stuff and I'm feeling a bit guilty because some of these things, they're not necessarily you know topical or time dependent. But uh, this one in particular is, this is from Tom. He wants to know about the Star Wars holiday special. Greetings, gentlemen. I live with my brother-in-law and sister. The brother-in-law is a Christmas fanatic and demands that we watch numerous Christmas movies throughout November and December. Do you know that's a like weird, that? That's a weird way to put it, by the way. Christmas is, fanatic. That he, no, that he lives with his brother-in-law and his sister. Normally, you would say, I live with my sister and my brother-in-law, but he's gone with the brother-in-law first, I guess because he's about to dob in the brother-in-law as being the person who's obsessed with Christmas movies. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's the, he's the topic of the, of the email. Um, what is – have you – I mean, I don't, you, you don't strike me as particularly like Christmassy kind of person. You don't like – I'm not a Christmassy person. I was when I was young. I, really? I quite like being – I had a kid. A, yeah. But no, I, I'm not a big Christmas person. But I don't mind the pageantry of Christmas. I quite like all pageantry. I like when things are an event and people get into the spirit of something. Like, I mean, to the point where I was walking through the airport the other day in Sydney, and in Sydney they had an Australian Open booth. So I guess the idea is that if you were flying from Sydney to Melbourne for the Australian Open tennis, that you might, instead of waiting until you got to Melbourne to buy your merchandise, that you might like grab it <laughs> at Sydney airport and actually yeah. take it down with them, I guess was the idea. But I was so caught up in the idea that the tennis was on 
and that there was this booth there that I actually looked through it and I was like, maybe I'll buy some like Australian Open merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> I did not, but I did consider it for a moment. I got swept up in the majestic nature of the experience. I guess the closest equivalent I can think of is similar to yours, but it's probably grand final week. Like as the grand final gets closer, I get very into my footy and I like – you know, watching as many videos as I can and maybe old games, go to like, you know, the AFL.com and, and check out all that kind of stuff. That's as – I'm as consuming as much AFL as I can in that week leading up to the grand final. Um, but I also hate that kind of cliche debate about his Die Hard a Christmas film. Like every fucking year that they just trot out that old trope and like who cares? It's not funny. I think it was funny the first time that person made the observation, hey, you know, it's a Christmas movie. But now it's become this kind of like fucking Michael Scott tired old joke. That's what she said. Who gives a fuck? It is or it isn't. It's a Christmas. It's a film set at Christmas. Like I mean, it's Schrodinger's Die Hard. That's what I say. Uh, it is weird, isn't it? Because like, is Home Alone a Christmas movie? Because it happens at Christmas. Yes. Hmm. So then, Die Hard is a Christmas movie, I guess. Who but like, cares? who cares? It doesn't matter. It's a movie. Lethal Weapon exists. takes place at Christmas as well. Christmas movie, then I guess. Yeah, who gives a fuck? Anyway, so last week, my is, brother-in-law is the movie um, Halloween a Halloween movie? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. What are you talking about? Or is it just a movie that happens to take place at Halloween? It's both. What are you talking about? Oh, right. <laughs> so you're fine with this being both, but Die Hard, it doesn't fucking matter apparently. No. Oh, okay. No, I, I have no – look, fucking it's a horror movie that takes yeah. place at Halloween. It is also a movie about Halloween. Yeah. Is it a documentary on the origins of Halloween? No, it's not. <laughs> but you idiots, it's not funny. Like it was funny when someone made the observation 15 years ago. Now it's just fucking annoying. And the fact that like – I'm going to start the Halloween isn't a Halloween movie movement. Move. I'm going <laughs> to be well, like you know it's what? not. It's just, You know what? It's just a slasher film that happens to be set – at Halloween. But there is never actually any explanation of the fact that other than that's when it originally happened. There is no connection to Halloween itself, is there? Like no. Michael Myers He gets his mask. Michael from Myers a- doesn't like look forward to Halloween every year and just go, That's my time to kill. Well, no, he does. That's kind of the whole thing. So he I know, killed- but there's never a bit in the movie where it's like it's Halloween. It's time for me to kill. It's more about this is the anniversary of when this original murder took place, right? Yeah, but isn't he's not. That he's never inspired. No, it just happened to happen at Halloween. Very much like Die Hard happened to happen. Like I don't know that that's true. I think that <laughs> Michael Myers was biding his time. So, like the pro- the prologue is, you know, yeah. eight year old Michael Myers murders his sister and her boyfriend, or maybe just his sister, and then you jump forward to present day. Jamie Lee Curtis is a high school student, and Mike Myers busts out of prison. I think that that is. The triggering point. I think Mike Myers, Mike Myers, Michael Myers, I've got to make that distinction. <laughs> he, uh, as a serial killer, he is groovy, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Myers was sitting in a mental institution staring yes. at a wall for 17 years and then Halloween comes around and he, like the Manchurian candidate, candidate, he is the Halloween candidate. There's never He's- any moment in any of the Halloween films where Michael Myers seems to be triggered by something that is Halloween related. I feel like that's a false reading of the, like Mm, he is triggered by the fact he happened. So if he had happened to murder like his sister on Christmas day, for example, like 
then he would be doing it on the anniversary, which would be Christmas. But it isn't actually Christmas itself that triggered the murder in the first place. And I would argue with the Halloween films, there is never in the mythology of the Halloween films any indication that it was the fact that it was Halloween that led to the murder. I think there is, in the later, like the terrible films, I seem to think there is some, well, even in the kind of reboots, the new ones that they've done, there is some kind of, I haven't, and I haven't seen the latest one, but some kind of assertion that he's supernatural, that there might be some kind of spirit inhabiting him. So maybe it is like but the again, evil spirit of Halloween. But again, it has nothing to do with Halloween. No. You don't know that. No, I do know <laughs> that because I have watched all the Halloween films and not once in them is he ever, like, is there ever a oh, moment boy, it's where Halloween. Michael Myers, yeah. <laughs> he wakes up with a spring in his step. Can't like, wait to grab his butcher's knife. Well, there's never a moment, even in, like, the reboots and stuff, like, he might get triggered by seeing his mask, for example. Yeah. That might be the thing that triggers him to, like, have that, those memories and point. try to escape. But there's never actually a moment in them where he, like, sees – a carved out pumpkin and then suddenly goes from like Mike Myers walking around to Michael Myers wanting to stab people. Does Mike, I'm going to type in, does Michael Myers kill because it's Halloween? Because it's Halloween? He doesn't. He just happens to kill on Halloween. On Halloween. It's, uh, what do they say? It's, um, Coincidence, not cause, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, yeah, it, they, they, that's it's correlation, not causation. Co- cor- yeah, correlation, not causation. That's yeah, right. that's going to be my argument. Halloween is not a Hall- <laughs> Halloween is not a Halloween movie. It is correlation. The murders just happen to happen at Halloween, and therefore happen on the anniversary of those murders every year, which coincidentally, of course, happens to be Halloween because Halloween happens at the same time every year. But it is actually completely unrelated to the event okay. that is Halloween. I found an article. Um, Oh, on the Mary Sue, which is a uh, genre website. Here's why Halloween's Michael Myers kills in every timeline. So they have broken down all the different Halloween films. Um, okay, so cue the Halloween theme in whatever version you love the most. Michael has entered the room and is giving me the details about his reasons for killing in every yes. timeline. Is this saying, wait a minute, is this true? <laughs> <laughs> What's going we on? S- we sat down with Michael Myers <laughs> and asked him a series of questions. listicle. Yeah. Uh, yes, I said in every timeline, because if you're not a fan of the franchise, you need to know there are many timelines. Five. Maybe it's Five maybe different it's timelines. A- a bit extra to give you all the details, but I'm not holding back. Before I get into explaining Michael Myers' motivations, and here's a graphic. So, uh, okay, yes, you're right, five timelines. There's three timelines branching off the first film, and then there's two separate timelines, which I guess would be the Rob Zombie um, attempts. Okay, here we go. So the sequel timeline, movies, Halloween, Halloween 2, Halloween 4, Halloween 5, Halloween, Curse of Michael Myers. Would have been so much better if Michael's motivations had never been fully revealed. Unfortunately, the original timeline introduces the most horrible story arc known as the Cult of Thorn. Are you aware of this, Will? Yeah. So the Cult of Thorn was some mystical organization that were getting Michael to kill on behalf of them or something. Basically, Michael killed his sister Judith because of a curse that was placed on him. A weirdo doctor thought it would be chill to cast this curse, even though it results in death and chaos over a long period of time. So Michael serves as a killing machine to keep the cult thriving. Right. Right. So, unrelated to Halloween. Unrelated to Halloween. Okay. Uh, Second timeline, H2O, which involves Halloween, the original, Halloween 2, and Halloween H2O, and then Resurrection. Uh, It's a fresh air to get the hell away from the cult of Thorn. 
Uh, no shade, that's your jam. But what makes the H2O timeline great is that Michael wants to kill Laurie specifically because she has completion anxi anxiety, thanks to Nika Pierce for coining that term. Laurie gets away from him and keeps getting away from him. Everyone else, including dogs who dies, including including dogs, are simply in the way or convenient. Michael so is just a regular Nothing, nothing to do with Halloween? Yep. Absolutely to do with the fact that he needs to kill Jamie Lee Curtis, who in this timeline is not his sister. I think in the other one, they tried to say that she was – in uh, one of no, them, she's no, the they, sister. They, no, this, this they are including Halloween too, which revealed okay. that she's the sister. Yes. Okay, then there's the reboot timeline, which is the Rob Zombie ones. Uh, okay, imagine a stereotypical serial killer explaining who they are. Either it's someone's mum is to blame or the killer had an abusive dysfunctional childhood or they were subjected to a bullying Rob Zombie directs the two movies in his timeline, and his version of Michael is typical, even though the whole point of a remake is to switch things up. This timeline gives us a glimpse into Michael's childhood. Okay, so it's his childhood trauma. That's what makes him kill mm -hmm. in this one. Again, the childhood da, 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 trauma da, da, da. does not have anything to do with Halloween. Okay, so the new Halloween film. Yes. So Halloween, Halloween Kills, Halloween Ends. Michael just wants to go home. <laughs> For now, that's the major motivation. You're right, Will. Halloween, so Halloween is not a Halloween movie. That's my new Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Well, you're not on social media. Can I take that and put it out there and just see how many angry fucking nerds get into my mentions? I mean, it checks out though, right? Like it Halloween, does check out. Not a movie about Halloween at all. It's just a movie that takes place at Halloween. That's fucking amazing. Um, back to Oliver's letter. Oh, sorry, Tom's oh, letter. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Last week, he wrote me into watching a, a viewing session by letting me choose a Christmas movie, and I decided to put on a shitty one because I'm good like that. After quick Googling, I stumbled across an interesting-sounding film, the Star Wars Holiday Special. I'd never heard of it before, despite it having all the main cast members from A New Hope. Fair to say my interest was piqued. In short, the film was so bad that it's never been rebroadcast. We had to go on YouTube to watch a bootleg version. It's one of the best worst two hours of my life. Have you guys heard of this before and have you seen it? Will, you can go first. I uh, heard of it, haven't seen it in total. I've seen bits of it that have been repurposed or repackaged in other things when people have yeah. pointed out how terrible it was, but I've never seen this the whole thing. I'm going to show how old I am, but prior to the internet, Will, um, this was one of those bootleg DVDs or even VHSs that you could find at a comic book store. Like, you know, they had it behind the counter. And I had a mate who had bought a copy and we used to watch it in the 90s. And it's true. Like, it, uh, I think George Lucas hadn't maybe negotiated his final kind of like terms. And so they, they were, the, the studio were just trying to milk it for every cent they could. And so they made this horrible special and it's shot on video. It's got that 70s TV look to it. It's all these huge stars, Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford basically doing like a multi-camera sitcom and it's about i think it's not earth day it's like love day or whatever the galactic version of christmas is and it has these weird kind of variety shows interstitials where like you know gladys knight will come out and sing a song and you get to meet chewbacca's family and like there's a there's a wookie with boobs and a baby it's fucking bizarre it's it's awful but it's it's good fun to watch and i think it's become sort of synonymous with like the star wars christmas special bad bad cheap um, tie-in TV. Yeah, it's one of those things that was an early indication for those people who, because the Star Wars like fan base and mythology has always been one of those things that has been interesting to me because Star Wars has always been mostly silly. It's kind of Empire Strikes Back that makes it seem like this really kind of credible, 
interesting, you know, well thought out universe. But it's always been about selling toys and it's always been about dumb cash ins. And if you look at, you know, Return of the Jedi and the Star Wars Christmas special, you get a much truer indication of what Star Wars was going to become about as well, which is the idea that it would just be relentlessly cashed in on every level. Well, it's also the the I guess what we've discovered now in this era of reboots and spin-offs is that the universe of Star Wars, which prior to the kind of prequels seemed so rich, you know, Games of Thrones, Lord of the Rings in, in the sense that, you know, there's all this kind of fan fiction and stuff. And what we've come to realize is maybe that universe isn't as rich or as interesting as it was in our heads because we've seen it in practice. They've made a dozen, you know, TV spinoffs. They've taken characters that we loved in the original series and just made them really boring by digging into their past or seeing what happened to them in the intervening years or how they got their name or why they're fucking diced in their spaceship and stuff. And so I think that's what we've realized is that I remember when the prequels were coming out and I wasn't like a huge Star Wars fan, but I got caught up in the hype. I was like, yeah, it's exciting. And Jedi's are like the fucking Zen masters of the universe and stuff. And then when you sort of see it in action, you're like, this is fucking stupid <laughs> like this is all just <laughs> dumb and stupid and i was a dumb kid for liking this well you're a kid the kids movies that are made for kids but i would like to see more of this you know christmas special this should be this is what i'd like them to re-embrace so obviously when they're going back to all the original ip the things that they've explored have been the other aspects of the the star wars universe but they haven't really tried to do another version of this so yeah they should that's what I want to see. I want to yeah. see, like, what sort of director? Who's the director who comes in and says, like, you know. Is it, th- is it tongue-in-cheek or is it, like, earnest? Because Taika Waititi yeah. is an obvious one. He does kind of, you know, he's got that Kiwi sense of humour. And I'm sure so he's, he's got daggy. heaps of spare time on his plate. Doesn't seem to be overcommitted <laughs> in any way. So let's put another project on. But you're right. It has that Taika Waititi feel. So it's got to be somebody like a Taika who is willing yeah. to go in and do it, like, tongue-in-cheek. or was the original one tongue-in-cheek or was it just daggy? No, it was quite earnest. Yeah, daggy. it was earnest. So what you yeah. really need is somebody who – like is there somebody who would treat it like earnestly? What about like a um, – what about Baz Luhrmann? What if Baz Luhrmann mm. came in and did well, like a – you know, like – I could see that because of because the variety aspect yeah, of it. Like it I'm is thinking. like the, the singing and dancing mm. and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Or he kind of I mean, does like a Moulin Rouge, El, you know, Elvisy, Star Warsy. You know, I could see him making that work. I think that, that you're actually talking me around. To, <laughs> that's something that I'd like to see because <laughs> I think part of the issue with Disney and you know this sort of like homogenization of all mm. these properties that they've bought, like Star Wars mm. and Marvel and and whatever, is that they've all sort of been funneled out this very narrow kind of. Um, you know, corporately controlled creative brief where they are getting, you know, names in and and stuff, but they're all sort of saying these are the guidelines by which you need to make these movies. Whereas DC, for all their flaws, have basically gone to like a Todd Phillips or a Matt Reeves or whatever and gone, hey, just fucking take this property and make whatever you want with it. If Disney started doing that, hey, yeah, Baz, we want you to do the remake the Star Wars holidays, Life Day, that's what it was. It's all about Life Day. Two hours. We're going to do it live. Yeah, <laughs> live. live. That's right. Good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> life day, live. Live. A yes. Baz Luhrmann experience. 
and yeah. like you know Dolly Parton singing "Islands in the Stream" with Baby Yoda. That's what yeah, I would say. An- she's got antennas on. Though. <laughs> she's like an alien. She's Dolly Parsec <laughs> from Planet Zorf. Oh no, no, no! She's the the Wookie with boobs from the original. <laughs> so she's they Wookie her up. <laughs> the hairy boobed Wookie. <laughs> but that sounds awesome. Like yeah. I would I mean, tell me that you know, Free to Air is dying, but if there was going to be a two-hour variety show, in fact, I was actually I've been watching that George Carlin documentary on HBO. And they'll sort of, you know, it's such a fascinating have you seen it yet? Yes. I thought it was fascinating. It's really and, and just the and just the way he kind of reinvented himself like four or five times, you know, starts off as this kind of like suit and tie comic and then, you know, he's the hippy dippy weatherman, then he's the counterculture pot smoking rebel rouser. But then there's this sort of moment sort of in the late 70s to the early 80s where he's on the wane again and he's like, I'm just going to do variety shows because, yeah, sure, it's not the coolest thing to do, but it means I can keep doing live shows. It, it books dates. And you're watching these clips and it's like, Oh my God, this feels like, I know it's only 40, 50 years ago, but it feels like it's a just completely different timeline that that's, and these were rating what, 20, maybe 60 million viewers. Like we're watching these weekend shows. Like I wonder, you couldn't bring variety show back, could you? I guess that's what awards shows are. That's the closest we have is the Oscars and the Golden Globes. But the idea that'd be a weekly variety show. But they are doing all these like live, you know, you say there's like Aladdin live or like Beauty and the Beast dirty live dancing. or whatever. They so they do these as live, live yeah. experiences. So yeah. the world already exists. Like there are actors and performers who are already in this world of we are doing these things live and there seems to be an appetite for doing these things live. So if you went to a network and you said, look, we've got Baz Luhrmann attached, he's going to direct the whole thing. <laughs> And we're going to restage. Like, Disney, well, I mean, they're all, they're all on Disney Plus, right? So Disney just says, because I think Disney did like a lot. They've done big live events already on Disney. So they've got the capacity to do it. They say we're going to redo that. We're going to restage the Star Wars Christmas special. Baz Luhrmann's going to direct it. And we're going to go out live. I think people would watch that. I would How watch get- that. How do you get Baz interested though? Like, what's gonna what's gonna capture you? He doesn't strike me as a Star Wars kind of guy. I know, but that's kind of the appeal of it. This isn't your yeah, but you've got to sell it to him. This like, isn't George Luke. Yeah, but you, this is your opportunity to take one of the biggest pieces of IP in the entire world and completely fuck with it. Like Put some this is on it. <laughs> yeah, this is like I mean, this is what we want. I mean, you, that's how you get. That's how yeah. you sell it to Baz. You yeah. you you speak to his ego. Mm-hmm. You say, Baz, like you've fucking done it all. Like you know, you've won Oscars. Your films make millions of dollars. You're a fucking genius. You're such a genius that you could probably take what is widely regarded as the worst TV variety show ever made, and you fucking turn it turn into it something amazing. Turn it into something like mm-hmm. that would mm-hmm. speak to him. I reckon mm-hmm. he'd see a challenge in that. Yeah. Hey Baz, you and ever, gl- and that and glitter. Baz, <laughs> you can. You, ever, you, you, you ever seen a Wookie twerk? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, there would be. There's so would be a twerk, and Cardi B would come out <laughs> and twerk. No, do what? Twerk. There would be a- <laughs> <laughs> Wookie ass pussy. <laughs> 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 
that, what that means is Wookiees <laughs> have an ass and a pussy. It's like a cloaca. It's the same thing. That's what it refers to. Yeah. So the Wookiees there at the time displaying their ass pussy and Cardi B's. Is singing, <laughs> and she's got like a pointer. <laughs> she's like pointing at which bits which. <laughs> so it's educational too. That's the good news. We get out. Uh, we get. Um, we get Fred Durst to do. I did it all for the Wookie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, we've got to move on. We've got through one. We've been recording for twenty three minutes. We've <laughs> okay. got through one letter. Right. <laughs> Fucking hell! Oh, that's good. <laughs> and this is from Alex. Uh, Will, I just listened to Tofop four hundred five. I heard you say that you thought about being a teacher. Do you want to give it a try? No. Um. Yeah, basically, here's what I would say is, oh, there's more? Go on. I teach English at a high school in Adelaide, and next year I'm teaching a group of year 11s about stand-up comedy. The unit of work will end with them having to present their own routine to the class and me giving them a grade on how well they've done. You should come in and help me do it. We could even turn it into a TV show and sell it to the ABC called Over Qualified. Charlie can be the host. <laughs> I love how I get a little, like I wet, wet my beak a little. Mm. I'm dead serious. Email me back and we can work out the details. Okay. Yeah. What do you reckon of that proposal? No. Uh, no, here's why. I don't no. do anything with schools. Um, I've, I've had a career-long okay. policy that I don't speak at schools, I don't do anything at schools because I've always had that attitude of, um, because my regular stand-up material isn't appropriate for people who are at schools, Um mm. I always think – You don't think Wookiee ass pussy would fly? It's uh, My thing's always that, you know, you come and speak at the school and then they see something that you've said somewhere else or some other thing and it becomes an issue and it's like it's just always okay. too messy. The only time I ever did this, yep. because I actually did do this once, I was in Alaska and I was doing some shows in Alaska and one of the guys who was running the shows, his partner taught at the local school and they were teaching stand-up comedy and they got me to go in and teach all these kids who were probably only about, I would say – 11, 12, 13 years old, like teach them stand-up comedy. And then they got up and they actually did their own stand-up routines and I like helped them with them. And it was genuinely one of the most amazing experiences of my life, but I did it in Alaska. It was like I'd run away to another place where the usual laws and jurisdictions didn't apply (laughs) to do it. But I don't think Adelaide is that place. Uh, This next bit of correspondence is from Damon. Hey, Tofop, I've recently made a tree change similar to you guys moving to Margaret River, WA. Oh, beautiful. My best my best mate, Gusto. Mm. What do you think of Gusto? Do you think Gusto, Gusto's name is Gus? I mean. Or Gustav? Gusto. Gusto. If it's Gus, I think Gussie. Uh, do you go to Gusto from Gus? Gusto, the Gus. Unless his surname is the Gus like Meister. Gusto, the, Gusto, Gusto name. Gusto. August. Oh, his name's August, I reckon, okay. and you call him Gusto. Oh, yeah, that's Don't pretty, you think? Yeah, that's pretty good. Or Gust. Mm-hmm. Uh, my best mate, Gusto, who's also a Tofop fan, ventured down to check out the new digs, and coincidentally, a vineyard across the road had an outdoor cinema screening the fabled Top Gun Maverick. We took this as a sign from the Tofop gods and decided to make a night of it. In a true Tofop fashion of technical difficulties, the movie started with only the audio sound effects at full blast. No dialogue, dialogue through the speakers at all. 
As we had a clear access to the winery and food, it didn't really concern us. And to be honest, between watching the increasingly irate patrons, sound effects, fast flying planes, and what we know about the storyline from many episodes explaining in great detail, listening to what Tom and Gosling had to say didn't really matter. Having no audio allowed us to unpack what we thought was happening on screen, recanting, would that be recounting your in-depth analysis? Because if you're recanting it, you're denying it. Recount, recanting your in-depth and I'm analysis. Sure, I'm not sure that you can recant on someone else's behalf, can you? Like, doesn't the person who's made the allegations in the first place have to recant them? Like, can yeah, you? Yeah, I don't think it can, mm. um, unless it's your your you've been left like the you you manage the estate, right? You could recant on statements of your dead grandfather, like Jenna Reinhardt. She could couldn't she recant her father's earlier? Racist statements or something? I mean, okay, so no, so yeah, they say the definition here says say that one no longer holds an opinion or a belief, especially one considered heretical. So the example is heretics were burned if they would not recant. But um, so I think you would have to recant on your own behalf because otherwise people could just recant for you. They could say, "Oh yeah, you, you've recanted," and you'd be like, "Hang on, no, I haven't." Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Okay. The audio issues were finally fixed after approximately mm. one hour. Okay. And we were treated to the bizarre storyline of Gosling following creepily in his dad's footsteps and cheesy mashed together plot lines in full stereo sound. Thank you for the recommendation on the movie and many years of great con- content from the pod. Demo. Well, I think if there was going to be any film where you didn't really need the sound, it would be Top Gun Maverick. Like it's all about the pictures, mm. right? Yeah, mate. All you need is the, I feel the need for speed. Other than that, you don't need the dialogue. (laughs) Uh, This is from Thomas. Hey, guys, just wanted to drop in and say hi and thank you for the constant stream of entertainment. The other week you began Tofop with a pitch touch, the staple opener of Ryan Sickler's and Jay Larson's Crab Feast. Ah, that's where we did the... Do you remember that? I do remember that. And I also remember the Crab Feast podcast and them doing that at the start of the podcast. So what? So what do they do? They just do. Uh, is it the intro to the show, or is it just like it was? Uh, it it was the regular intro to the show, I believe, and they would both do it together and try to hold it together for as long as they would hold oh, it, I believe. Right. But what are they? What sound are they making? What is like? I mean, we it was a high pitch sort of. Uh, it was that same sort of. I think they were doing it on purpose clearly they were extending it out in a way that you were not you had just mistakenly done it but yeah i mean yes it was it was similar no doubt oh he's not accusing us of plagiarism uh, no, no, was nor was, was i defending us from plagiarism okay, <laughs> sorry sorry if it came across like that i was just more I like thought you were getting a bit defensive there. <laughs> it's like well, like we ripped it off from a show that hasn't existed for 3 years that no I, no Okay. Uh, so he said, that was my favorite show mm. and my Great introduction show. to Will Anderson. And then he says, open brackets, uh, the Sazerac story, my goodness. What is the Sazerac story? I mean, don't ask me to remember things that I did a long time ago. Should I sure. Google it? All right. I don't know because it's a very specific um, spelling. Oh, no. A Sazerac is a cocktail company. Sazerac is a variation of cognac or whiskey cocktail originally from New Orleans. Do you remember telling any story about a Sazerac? No. You don't really strike me as a cocktail dude. Don't either. really strike me as a Sazerac person. Don't think I've ever no, said the term Sazerac the before. <laughs> I think the first time I heard Will explain the name, I knew this was up my alley. 
and we're approaching a decade of tuning in, which is crazy. The name of Sazerac or the name of Tofop? Tofop. <laughs> this is the most confusing <laughs> fucking email. It's on brand for us. I've really enjoyed the switch up with yes. Tofop. It's like Tofop is a band with two OG front men accounting for a total of two band members. So like, I guess, Hall of Notes, right? And thus, essentially analogous with being presented with a Lennon or McCartney. Okay, okay. I like this. <laughs> I, I said Hall of Notes. He's got a Lennon McCartney. I appreciate that. Fucking, I'll take, I'll take that. Analogous to being presented with a Lennon and McCartney session rather than a Beatles hanging. It's still 100% gold. It's funny, actually. I, um, I've been listening to a, a, quite a bit of uh, Beatles solo stuff lately. Um, a lot of Lennon, McCartney. Well, not <laughs> when I say that, everyone but Ringo. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of everyone but Ringo. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't know if this is a controversial statement, but I think George Harrison's solo career in terms of just consistency, was better than Lennon and McCartney's solo careers. Like the songs that he didn't release as many, so that ups his average, his strike rate a bit more. But All Things Must Pass is a better album than Imagine, a better album than anything that either of those two, in terms of just like rock solid, no flaws. I mean, he basically had nine years of being in the Beatles to not be able to contribute his best songs well, that's, to put into that, that one album. I think that that is why. It is so. I, I mean, I agree with you, and I don't think that's a controversial opinion. By the way, I think that a lot of people, you know, are amazed by the strength of George Harrison's solo stuff, and I think the reason is exactly what you said. He didn't overextend himself, and he had a whole bunch of songs that were just never able to get onto Beatles albums because you had two of the greatest songwriters in the history of songwriting. <laughs> so occasionally you might get a song or two, but you had all these good ones up your sleeve that you can actually put on your solo album, whereas by the end, you know, it's fair to say that, you know, Lennon and McCartney both had some real bangers still to come, but, you know, they'd blown out, you know, 20 or 30 of the most iconic songs in the history of songwriting. (laughs) Now it's like, what's Yoko doing? Yoko, tell me a funny story. I've got to write something. Oh, Yoko, oh, Yoko. (laughs) Okay, all right. All right, John, we get it. You've got you've got some specific interests, a bit like this fucking podcast. This is <laughs> my new song. I want to hold your other hand. <laughs> um, I love how Charlie is now casually analysing situations through the psycholo- psychological lens of Goose. Anyway, happy holidays from Florida, and thanks again for the last fucking. How's it going in Florida? What I read over there is it's just kind of like they're just. It's a free-for-all. It's like the demilitarized zone in Escape from New York. Just like fucking whatever goes in Florida, man. I mean- Have you been to Florida? I have been to Florida, yes. And what, Describe it to me. I've never been there. Jem's been there. It's She did not care for it. You know what? Some bits of it are really fun, I will say. That's what I like. But there is a- I mean, it's it's hot and hot and wet. Like is like you know, as in like steamy. Yeah. Like well, when I was there, it was very hot. Like and a steamy. like a wookie ass pussy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say to people, and they were like, "I'll be like, you, you'll get that in a few years. You might not get that now, but you wait a couple of years, and you'll really find that funny." Um, it, there is absolutely a conservatism to some of the population there. But like anywhere, this is what I found like touring in America was you would go to somewhere like Salt Lake City, you know, which is essentially full of Mormons and think, who's going to come to the show in Salt Lake City? Or you would go to Florida and you would think, this is full of like old conservative people who's going to come to this show. But of course, when you went to the actual show, you were like, oh, 
no, there's like young people here and there's people who aren't yeah. like that here. And, and in fact, in some ways, the shows you did in those places were even more fun because that community was so starved for, for that <laughs> style of like communication that they re- it was actually almost more fun, I think. Yeah. I remember Jem, she shot a commercial there last year and she, it was very hot. She was like in the height of summer and she said it was like stiflingly hot. She couldn't do a lot. But there was a lot of Art Deco buildings. She went around just like, did, just walked around the streets and took a lot of photographs of a bunch of like these amazing Art Deco buildings. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, there's a guy I follow on Instagram, uh, a, a fitness influencer, I guess. He I downloaded his program. He does the, like calisthenics, like the sort of body weight kind of exercises. And it's one of these things where he his program is fantastic. It's really great. But he's such a fucking douchebag. Right. It drives me nuts. Like I feel bad every time I use it. I feel bad every time I've recommended it to people because this dude, he lives in Florida and like all his videos that he posts are him in Miami. And I just, I think my take on Florida or Miami specifically has been tainted by this dude who I hate watch. <laughs> Like on Instagram, like he does things where like he'll get someone to shoot a video of him like leaving his apartment building shirtless in his jeans, like he's ripped obviously, shirtless in jeans but with his motorcycle helmet on. Then he gets in his motorbike and rides off and all I can think is, fuck, I hope you have an accident. <laughs> like I just, I really, you need some kind of like cosmic punishment for your your narcissism. Well, my, but the, the interesting thing is that Miami is its own different thing again, right? Like Miami is, what if the Gold Coast had a budget? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This next bit of mail is from Tim. Dear Will and Charlie, something that you blokes have mentioned that's always interested me is the Mandela effect. I've been blown away so many times whenever I hear a new one. Um, so the Mandela effect is basically like it's it's sort of like a, a, um, a group delusion that we collectively have decided that, you know, something was the way it was. And I think the, the Berestein Bears or something is, is the famous that's, one. That's or, the one that they most often go to. But um, Yeah, or that Shaq was in a movie called Shazam when he wasn't. It was like called Kazam or something. Okay, this, this, is, this is fun what I've just found here, Charlie. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, now this is American slanted, so you're going to have to. There might be a couple of things here that uh, you. Um, uh, oh, actually, fuck no. Maybe we can't do this one because it's pictures. There was a quiz here that right. was going to be like a Mandela effect oh, quiz, testing your Mandela effect. Yeah, but um, I think that unfortunately, well, can, you, can I do it to you? Can you send me the link and then I can because I can share my screen. Oh, like I can, can have the thing oh, no, here. here. There it is. Okay, can you see that? I can. Yep. Great. Got it. Okay. So the first question, what color is Uncle Sam's hat? Is it red and white or blue and white, Will? Red and white. Wrong. Oh, really? Blue and white. Okay. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Okay. What is the name of this candy bar? And is it Kit Kat or Kit hyphen cat? Oh, uh, Kit hyphen. Fuck. Kit hyphen cat. Kit fuck hyphen cat? (laughs) Kit hyphen cat? Kit hyphen cat. Wrong. Fuck. It's Kit Kat, no hyphen. Oh, Jesus. Um, All right. And that's another ad. What does the Target logo look like? Okay. Is it a white-centered Target or a red-centered Target? Red-centered Target. All right. You got your first one correct. Good. 
Um, in the Saw movies, what does Jigsaw say? Would you like to play a game? I want to play a game. Do you want to play a game? Oh, I mean, is that shit. really Mandela effect? Oh, That's just like, would you like to play a game. Semantics. I want to play a game. Do you want to play a game? Fuck. Um, the first one, would you like to play a game? I think that's too polite for a serial killer, isn't it? Is uh, It's either I want, which is yeah. like childlike, or do you want to play a okay. game? I think it's do, do you, you want, want to play a game? game? No, you're, you're both right. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play a game. We're both Mandela. Uh, what does – so this is a very American-centric because we've had an Uncle Sam. Now, yeah. what does Tony the Tiger's nose look like? Oh. And he's the uh, the mascot for frosty frosted flakes. We don't really have. Is it all black or blue and black? Um, I don't know. I'm going to guess blue and black just for the sake is of it, this. Is it Jonah Lomu or is it a cops? <laughs> <laughs> blue and black. You're correct. Um. Oh, what the fuck? Okay, what is Henry VIII holding in this famous portrait? His dick. His dick. <laughs> <laughs> big red square. Over His it. big, big fat hog. <laughs> his his Wookiee ass pussy. <laughs> Just peeling back those Elizabethan knickerbockers to show a Wookiee ass pussy. Um, it's either a glove or a turkey leg. Uh, I'm gonna. Who cares? Okay, we turkey we can leg. stop playing this game. This is like really no. I'm yeah. enjoying it. No. <laughs> Does rich Uncle Pennybags in Monopoly wear a monocle? Ah, yes. Shit, I don't know. No, he doesn't. What the fuck is going on? Okay. All right, okay. That's enough. That's enough. Um, Well, Tim basically wanted to know, have we had any any, uh, uh, Mandela effects that have stumped us lately? I think that counts. Um, Recently listening to the Weekly Planet, they they talked about the movie Uncharted. They were mentioning that what year it came out. I thought it was four years ago, but it came out in 2022. I was so blown away. I know it's not Mandela effect, but it gave me the same feeling when I hear one. I think that is just, since kind of like the bushfires, pre-COVID, It, like time, time has no meaning. No meaning. Well, maybe it's pretty much since Trump became president. Like, because the way he affected the news cycle, and there was so much fucking crazy shit coming out like every second day, like some crazy announcement. Oh, Donald Trump said we should blow up the Eiffel Tower. And you're like, oh, fucking what? And then two days later, he's like, yeah, he's going to, he said he's going to punch him the moon or something like that. <laughs> and then it's just like, that's why when I started the show, yeah. I said, like, you know, it's, it's a year later. Time has no meaning pretty much since Trump became president, I feel like. I Yeah, but I think that the pandemic in particular, all those, like, because time is an abstract concept at the best uh, at the best of times, time. right? <laughs> but, you know, there are the markers of our lives by which we regulate what time is. Like, and it's, you know, going to work and it's, your regular appointments and it's celebrating people's birthdays or Christmas or, you know, the, these style events and they become the markers of how we measure time. And because so many of those things just went away, I, yeah, I think we're definitely still getting back into that idea. And I would have thought that Uncharted came out at least two or three years ago. Is there a chance that the makers of Uncharted are gaslighting us, that it came out once and nobody watched it, so they took, brought it out again in 2022? I mean, yeah. I could, when did that um, Jared Leto vampire movie come out? Was that last Morbius. year or was that like three years ago? Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Who knows? There is a whole bunch of those kind of generic sort of – they're not sort of – I mean, I guess they're big budget Hollywood films, but they're not the kind of top end that you're like, I have, I have no idea. And also, since streaming's come along, my 
awareness of release date because it doesn't seem to fucking matter anymore. Like you missed Uncharted, uh, wait two weeks, It'll, mm. you'll be able to buy it somewhere <laughs> in, online. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. No. Like I, I, there's some things I prefer to just watch on my couch like that. Um, okay, this is from uh, Josh, uh, who's angry. <laughs> Jesus, you guys could do a little more research before talking about the military. Shut up. <laughs> I live you guys. I'm assuming he means I love you guys. Yeah, so I'll you should explain. do a little bit more research before you fucking write us the complaint letter. Stop saying Air Force. Chair Force, when referring to Top Gun, he's a naval aviator, no. not a pilot. Every branch of our military, <laughs> Army, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard, and Air Force has flyers except for Space Force because it's redundant. Yeah. Thanks, Trump. There's no punctuation in any of this, by the way. <laughs> not just the Air Force and every other branch actually makes fun of the Air Force. Um, yeah. I don't know if I have the letter saved, but I do believe Josh actually emailed a follow-up a little bit later, apologize for his rant. <laughs> no, I- I can understand us driving you yeah. mental. If you're like a real yeah. military dude- If you're and- a person who knows that we're just making this same mistake that everybody makes over and over again and we're constantly doing it, then I I can get how that would be frustrating to you. However, but yeah, I don't really care. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, no, that's right. I wrote back to him. I said, mate, we don't do research on anything. Why would we start now? <laughs> and he said, true, lol. Thanks for the response, Charlie. Um, although you did do a lot of research on Jay. <laughs> so that motherfucker got me. It's true. Uh, right, we're getting through. Well, yeah, this is exciting. Good. We may have an empty mailbag right, apart from our Patreon mailbag, which we have to get to at some point. Um, this is a Dan- from Danielle. Guys, I went down a deep meatloaf hole tonight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that fucking, sounds- lucky for some, eh? <laughs> oh, bloody hell. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I wouldn't give to go down a deep meatloaf hole. Well, that is actually, a lot of people don't know that, but that is the that that meatloaf was talking about in the song, <laughs> I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. It was going down his deep meat- meatloaf hole. I feel like you guys could enjoy the bloody roller coaster that is or was a meatloaf. I'm not up to date with your reps due to health issues. Oh, I hope you're feeling better, Danielle. But I hope you haven't discussed it without me already. Listening to Yaz for decades, love your work. Charlie, I hope your bins are intact and Will, your new show is awesome. Thank you. Love, Danny. Well, what's notable about meatloaf? Should we save that for another pod? We're sort of near the end of this one, so we can maybe um, I can create a, a, rab- a rabbit hole. I'll we'll put a I'll put a pin we'll in put that. a pin in I'll meatloaf because I've got two meatloaf stories that I am like because oh, I was yeah, at the famous you. AFL grand final when meatloaf oh, performed. I was at that one, not too yep. far from meatloaf, and I was with my dad, <laughs> who had a quite interesting review of meatloaf. So I'm happy to reveal that <laughs> next time. And then uh, I also w- once went to a Fatty Vorton promotional thing called the world's biggest barbecue when i was at university where the head uh, fatty vorton is a uh, ex-footballer now media personality in australia and he dubs himself fatty vorton that's not will oh no making a, that is no that is i'm not even sure what he's actual paul i believe paul fatty vorton, paul but, he's, fatty vorton. but he's a famous ex-rugby league player it was a very good rugby league player but was also one of the first personalities, sports personalities, who was in that zone of hosting shows and having a bit of humor, you know, and uh, very beloved character, Fatty. And he did this promotional opportunity with one of the liquor companies, which was called the World's Biggest Barbecue. And uh, Meatloaf was the headlining act. So next time, I'm happy for us to go down a Meatloaf hole because I have a couple of uh, Meatloaf stories. Uh, this is from Jason. Uh, Yala, Will and Charlie, proud Wanagjean and 
Oh, I'm going to stuff this up. Awabakal descendant, born, live and work on the lands of the Komburi people and have listened since day one, as well as still calling back to the increasingly obscure walking the room to abused, uh, to have been abused and bemused, <laughs> or sometimes abused. abused well, the abuse abused. was between <laughs> Greg and Dave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was never on the listeners. Um, anywho, I found this link to a killer robot with a heart of gold. So this is from the abc.com.au, your employees, Will. Um Anti-poaching robot set to save lives in West Africa. Uh, a robot named Gus from Victoria's Gippsland region could become the next weapon deployed against poachers in Africa and has even caught the eye of Australia's defence force. Do you want to watch this video? Yeah. It goes for one minute and 30 seconds. I mean, a Gippsland you know, kid done good. This is all, bloody, yeah. it's all coming uh, full circle. Oh, no. All right, let me share this with you. Holy shit, by the way, the video of this, if you, if you want a reason to subscribe to the Patreon, do it for this because- this thing is looks like it's straight out of RoboCop. It just as the, the as the the, the voiceover was describing it, we're seeing vision of this tank like yeah, thing. Yeah, it's like a tiny camouflage tank, basically. Yeah. Like the but it of, just launched a drone yeah. out of its head. Because <laughs> up until this point, I wasn't actually that impressed. I was just like, someone's put some camo on an old tank. On a bin. On, a, on an old ride-on lawnmower. <laughs> yeah, that's what it does look like. A couple of security cameras up top and a ride-on lawnmower and a bit of grass, and they've called it like a robot. But then suddenly, as I was about to mock it, it's launched a drone. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that's a great way, though, isn't it, to get the public on side of these military yeah. vehicles? Oh, we're using it to stop mm. poachers. Like, who fucking likes yeah. poachers? Like, that's something we, that's the John Wick principle. We can all agree. Yeah. You kill an animal, you're a fucking piece of shit. And then the Australian army comes in and goes, what if we had a bigger, better version of this that we could use to murder people? <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Um, all right. Last bit of mail, Will, from Tonya. Hey, Will and Charlie, I found Tofop early in lockdown after getting hooked. Did the thing you said never to do, and I started, started at the very at the beginning. Oh, do not do that. Started at Will the bottom, says. now you're here. Yep, start at the newest episodes, mm. work your way back. Stop, Stop when, you when you get uncomfortable. Currently, I'm flipping between old episodes and new mm. ones, and you can really tell the quality. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For fuck's sake, we have professionals. It's gone downhill. the show to get them <laughs> It's great to see where the current content ideas originated from and how your views have differed over the years. I think that is something that we can be proud of on this show. There's some podcasts I listen to and I am, you know, I, I'm still very fond of, but I'm like, Jesus Christ, like you are the same people that I started listening to 10 years ago and how have you not had any kind of, how can you be so uh, uh, maverick about this <laughs> have not changed your look or your views in such a long period of time? I can't remember if it was Tofop or Willosophy where Will was giving suggestions of up-and-coming comics to see at the Melbourne Comedy Festival, but I was hoping he could do the same again. I'm also fully aware that I should have asked this six months ago to get your timing right for the 2023 festival. No, Tanya, 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 we are on it. Um, Willosophy is very insightful, makes me question more than I have, and Tofop is such a good laugh, it makes me feel better about my tangent mind. Thank you, Tonya. I think that's a great idea, Will. Is that something that you'd be keen to do maybe uh, as we get close to festivals? Yeah, maybe as we get some, closer, some I, will, uh, I will have a look through the program and see who's doing shows, and I will give a whole bunch of people a plug. I'm very happy to do that. And that's actually maybe not a bad way to use Fofop over the comedy festival period is maybe you could uh, hook me up with some comedians who maybe want to want to have a chat and promote their show. I think that would be a good way to to use to, to use our minimal 
influence? Yeah. We, well, we use our minimal influence to someone who will actually not think it's minimal. <laughs> to them, it'll be yeah. a lot. <laughs> it's not a step down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea, Tonya. Yes. Thank you for that. Um, uh, all right. Okay. Well, that is the mailbag empty. There is a, I did leave a couple in there. But I feel like they're rabbit hole kind of things. They're stuff that we can really we can dedicate an entire episode around going down meatloaf's deep, meaty hole or whatever the, <laughs> the saying was. Uh, before we do go though, I'd like to let people know that you can find all the podcasts at tofop.com. Um, Will and I do this one. We also do another one called Fofop, which is like this. But Will and I chat to various guests. I think this week I can't. I don't know. It'll be someone good. We always we we only have the best. <laughs> <laughs> and Dave Anthony on Fofop. <laughs> Um, we also have a podcast, Two Guys, One Cup, which is an Aussie Rules podcast. In fact, I was chatting um, to our mates at Listener the other day. We are their only AFL-related podcast. Um, they noticed that there was kind of sort of a drop-off when it got to sort of like post-season, mm. and they were concerned that, you know, oh, is this because people aren't liking the show? And then I sort of said, well, I don't know. I think it might – if I look at my own AFL listening habits, I'm not listening to nearly the same amount of AFL podcasts, even though like there's AFL Daily, which comes out each – each day, literally, um, I'm not listening to that. So I reassured them that it's not us, <laughs> it's them. <laughs> Please don't put the blame on us. But we have a summer series called My Club, which is where I sit down with some famous Aussies and chat to them about the club, the teams that they love and sometimes hate. Uh, Hate's a great guest on, very funny show. We have, we've had like legitimate sports journalists on, we've had kind of comedians, the whole range of, of, of celebrity Australians. I think you should check it out, even if you don't like football. Often, I mean, I think when we had Broden on, we barely even talked about football um, at all. Will, what would you like to play? Uh, I have a book. It is called I Am Not Fine, Thanks. You can find that at all the places that you find books. Uh, I have a tour. It is called Willuminate. Um, uh, and what I will say about that is there may be some changes to some of the dates, but at the moment, uh, if you go to comedy.com.au, you'll be able to see where I am for those shows all over Australia. And there may be even some what you're talking about, Will, shows still happening either in Sydney or Brunswick Heads when people hear this. So uh, check at the Brunswick Picture House or the Sydney Comedy Store to see if I am doing any shows in those places. My special, Will Logical, from last year is available for free on ABC iView, so you can go and uh, – Check it out there. Uh, also, plug the Patreon, tofop, uh, patreon.com slash tofop. Heaps of great bonus content in there. Also, full videos of the show if that's what you want. Also, ad-free episodes if that's what you want. You can sign up for as little as a dollar a month. Um, I know, look, we have corporate backing now and stuff like that, but that doesn't necessarily necessarily mean we're making any money No, yet. it doesn't. It just means that we have people... <laughs> going out to sell the show for us. Whether or not we actually get any sponsors is yet to be seen. Uh, yeah, so if you want to sign up to the Patreon, and if you are one of the people who's still signed up to the Philosophy Patreon, I should mention that the Nish Kumar and Virdas episodes that I did live at the Sydney Opera House are posted on the Patreon page. I know that Sam, Sammy P, Sam Peterson, who was on uh, Fofop a few weeks ago, He's listened to them both. He may be the only person. I don't know how many people are checking the Willosophy <laughs> Patreon page, but if you are still signed up to that, both those episodes are up there. And finally, uh, we have a YouTube channel, so you can get highlights from each week's show on the YouTube channel. The numbers are going up. I've been actually impressed. It seems like there's a lot of – I think Liver King kicked us off. We put up a post about Liver King a couple of weeks ago, and that seemed to be our highest uh, viewed video so far. So um, go to – Tofop TV on YouTube, uh, subscribe, and you'll get a new updates every week from the world of Tofop. And also, we have a newsletter as well. Uh, so if you really want to be stay in contact with what's happening, you go to uh, tofop.com and sign up for our newsletter.
that are at the bottom of the page, weekly updates, weekly uh, uh, weekly roundups of what's been going on in TOEFOP. Uh, that's it. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Anderson. 